Peace to your friends and members. My name is Luke, and um, I've been working here in China for almost 13 years. And I work in manufacturing, so I often visit factories, and I have visit visited many different factories. One thing that is in common, you know, as in probably many businesses, the factory usually likes to be able to share a meal together. Um, you know, they like to share with me and with whoever and I happen to be visiting with me, with my coworkers. And this is both practical because we all need to eat. And and also it's a chance to talk business in a maybe more relaxed setting, more relaxed environment. Many times I also notice um, other important people will be invited to join uh, this meal, you know, specifically maybe like the general managers or um, for the owner. And if you have been to one of these meals, you you know might, might identify with some of the things that I will share. You might identify with some of these etiquettes I would describe. And if you have not been to a meal like this, you know this is what I noticed and what I learned so I will share with you. Usually a meal like this is eaten around a round table at a restaurant in you know in a private room. And when you walk in you will notice that one of the place setting farthest away from the door in the middle of the room, you know, it's kind of different. Um, it might have a napkin that's kind of folded, standing straight up extra tall, or you know, in a different color, like lightning like red or something like that. The place setting will be distinct from others. And you will notice that people don't normally sit in this seat. You know, this seat is reserved for the guests of honor. And you shouldn't assume that because you're the visitor that you are the guest of honor. You know, wait for your host to direct you to where to sit. You know, sometimes the seat is or someone much higher in position in the company compared to you and your counterpart, you know, like the owner, for example. So honor not only you know, goes to the guest, but also to seniority or the position of a person, you know, it's also important. And now that everyone see that you also notice now, even though there are already cold dishes, usually on the table, nobody eats. You know, this is not because they're waiting for someone to say a prayer, to give thanks to food. Well, no, usually um, they will ask you first what kind of beverages you want. And, and even if you don't want anything, they will usually find some excuse to give you some special juice, like corn juice or something. And everyone will get some sort of beverage. Well, the reason is that the meal cannot start until the host gives a toast. And you cannot give a toast without a beverage, obviously. So the host will raise his glass to give his or her glass to give a toast, and that signifies the meal can start. But to show honor toward the visiting guests, the host will also make sure that when new dishes comes out, that the guests can serve first. There are more I can probably share. But for those that haven't experienced, I will let you make your own mistakes and learn. People seem to be more gracious around food, so don't worry about uh, doing something wrong. Well, just as there is a way to honor someone by reserving a seat for them or serving them food first, today we'll study about someone who honored Jesus in her own way. So we have been studying through the book of Luke in the Bible. And, then, and, book it, and, and Luke is writing to assure his reader 
who Jesus is, Jesus' deity, that he is God with all authority, as well as Jesus' humanity, that he is fully human with a body and emotions. If you have your Bible, you can start flipping to chapter 7 of Luke. Last two weeks, we have been, um, we have studied the first part of chapter 7. Jesus showed that he has total authority and that he brings life. And that we should respond to that truth by bringing our doubts to Jesus, not by rejecting him. The section as a whole is answering this question, who is this Jesus? You know, as he's encountered by disciples, by his disciples and others. And I believe this is still the same question for each of us today. Who is this Jesus? Today we will study starting from verse 36 to the end of the chapter. So please turn with me to Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. Your copy of the Bible or you can find a printer for us in the bulletin uh, on page 11. And you can follow along. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. Please follow as I read aloud for us. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. He went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would, know, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylander had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I enter your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I know we usually get a one-sentence summary of the passage each week, and also an outline for the message. But today I want to 
us to just focus on one question as we study this passage. I want to help us understand the passage, but I want you to put yourself there. Imagine yourself at Simon the Pharisee's house, standing there in the room with Jesus and others. You have heard so much about all the amazing miracles Jesus has performed. You have heard the powerful teachings Jesus gave. So ask yourself, ask yourself as we observe what is happening, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Last week we learned that Jesus' teaching and action wasn't what the Jews of that day expected of the Messiah they were waiting for. Even John the Baptist was expecting Christ to come in judgment, so he was a little confused. But Jesus wanted them to know that before he brings judgment, he is preaching to them salvation through repentance, belief, and obedience in him. Verse 35, right before our passage there reads, Wisdom is justified by all her children, meaning that God's way is shown to be right by the followers of Jesus, even if this, this way is unexpected. So let's go back to our passage. Place yourself there in the room. In verse 36 it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the house, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. We read from verse 40 that this Pharisee is named Simon. And he asked Jesus to have a meal at his house. Pharisees are the religious leader of that day that followed strict observance of the law by religious ceremonies and practices, adhering to oral laws and traditions. Pharisees believe in an afterlife and the coming of the Messiah. You know, they are scholars who knew the scriptures well. They were mostly middle-class businessmen and leaders of the synagogue. So we can imagine Simon probably had a nice house, and so he invited Jesus over for a meal. Jesus, you know, by now is quite well known. And we don't know at this point what Simon's attitude toward Jesus is. You know, maybe he was genuinely interested in getting to know more about Jesus. Maybe he has doubts like John the Baptist and wanted to ask Jesus questions. Or maybe he's skeptical and wanted Jesus to show more proof. Or maybe Simon had already rejected Jesus and wanted to find a way to just trap him from his teaching. We're not totally sure at this point. Verse 37 and 38, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee house, brought an alabaster flax ornament, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. So this woman is a name in the Bible. Here it says she is a woman of the city who was a sinner. This is probably referring to her being a prostitute. That she is selling herself for sex and to make money. Maybe she was forced into it 
or maybe she did it just to survive or maybe she had a sex addiction, we don't know. But what is known is that everyone knew she was a sinner. They knew what she did. And she probably had already heard about Jesus and, and went to see Jesus as he talked to the great multitude. And now, learning that Jesus is at Simon's house, she, she came to find him. Before we go on, I, I need to explain why Jesus is reclined at the table to eat and how they would set up the meal reclining at a table. You see, during that time, the meal is set up around a low table with couches or cushions around it. Each person would recline or lean on their side. They would lean on their one side with their leg kind of slightly bent, pointing away from the table. And this is how they would eat. And this is why this woman can be behind Jesus at his feet. We also need to know in those days, a meal like this with an important guest is, is kind of open to all, open for all to observe. You know, the house would be open, and the others can come in to sit or stand along the wall of the room to listen in on the conversation around the table. So it's not strange for uninvited guests to come in and be there. What is unusual, however, is what this woman is doing. She brought an alabaster flax ointment. Alabaster is a um, is a soft rock that's usually used to make flax for perfumes. So she she comes in weeping so hard that her tears wet Jesus' feet. I mean, this is not just a drop of tear, right? She's probably sobbing uncontrollable uncontrollably. And now everyone in the in the house is has probably noticed her. She might be so self-conscious and and embarrassed, but she doesn't care at this point. You know, she's getting Jesus' feet all wet. So, so then what is she going to do? She decides to let her hair down to use them to wipe his feet dry and, and, and to help clean them. So this is now even even more awkward. You know, in those days, and I suppose, same as today, when a woman let her hair down, it could be seen as a move to, to seduce. And she was known as a, a prostitute, and now she's fondling Jesus' feet. This could all be taken the wrong way. But she continues because she is focused on honoring Jesus. She kisses his feet and finally anointed them with the ointment that she brought. Now I'm not sure how much of this the woman had planned out what she was going to do. Now we read later in verse 45 and 46 that it is customary to greet honored guests with kisses and anoint their head with oil. You know, maybe that was her initial plan. She was prepared to anoint Jesus with this alabaster flask of ointment. You know, that ointment probably cost a good amount of money for her. But she found herself at Jesus' feet, weeping and wetting his feet. I think she just went with it. 
The beautiful thing is that Jesus, you know, Jesus did not recoil. He did not pull his feet away from this woman, even though from the outside, you know, it looked inappropriate. However, we find that Jesus accepts her affection. Jesus accepted her heart, that desire to honor him. The Bible tells us that as a church, we are Jesus' hands and feet. I wonder what would happen if someone like this would show up at our church or in our fellowship. Maybe someone with a past. Or someone by the way they dress or look just didn't fit in. Or maybe what they say or not say give us an impression of who they are. Maybe in their hearts they desire to honor Jesus, but their expression is not what we expect. Examine what you might be thinking inside your head. Maybe we say to ourselves, what, what is this person doing here? Doesn't he know that this is a service? What do we say to ourselves, why is she doing that? Doesn't she know that it is inappropriate? I think we need to observe the heart. And many times actions reveals the intention of the heart. As we continue in verse 39, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were prophet, he wouldn't have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. So we see that Simon now has made a judgment about Jesus that he must not be a prophet. Because if he was a prophet or a man of God, he would know to not associate with a sinner like this woman. And because godly and righteous should not associate with wicked and sinful. And this is consistent with what Pharisees believe and practice. And this is what got Jesus at odds with Pharisees because they charged that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That he is friends with the wicked. Now what is happening here with this woman just further confirms what Simon is thinking. <coughs> so are you all still in Simon's house? Can you feel the tension rising in the room? Who is this Jesus? The irony here, of course, is that though Simon is just saying to himself in his head and not saying it out loud, thinking Jesus must not be a prophet, but Jesus being fully God, omniscient and all-knowing, being more than prophet, he answers Simon's private objection. Look at verse 40. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylander had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. 
that Jesus does so often, he makes a point by telling a parable. So this story is about two people owing money that they have borrowed. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So one owing 10 times more money than the other. 500 denarii is about 20 months worth of salary money. And 50 denarii is about two months worth of salary money. They both had their debt canceled or have their debt forgiven. They no longer have to pay it. But instead of asking which of them will be more maybe relieved, as we might expect, Jesus asked a different question. Which of them will love him more? I think this is a directed question to make Simon reconsider this woman's action. That her action is about showing love out of gratitude of that cancel. Jesus was deliberately, Jesus was deliberate in making the connection of canceling debt and forgiving sin. Not more than a person being relieved when a monetary debt was canceled, but that when a person's sin is forgiven, the proper response should be an outflow of love. Let's keep reading um, verse 44. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Can you feel the energy in Simon's house now? Who is this Jesus? He turns toward the woman and compares her to Simon, the host. Jesus compares the simple woman to Simon, who is supposed to be a righteous Pharisee. Jesus basically called out Simon's pride and his self-righteousness. And to show hospitality, it was customary for the host to give water so the guests could wash their feet. Because in Jesus' time, they were wore sandals and feet would get dusty from just walking around. It was also customary for the host to greet the guests with a kiss on the cheek as they entered the house. Lastly, for special guests, it was a way to show honor by anointing the guest's head with oil to bless them. You know, by Simon not doing any of that for Jesus, it shows Simon's heart and attitude toward Jesus. You know, Simon might just be trying to trying to show Jesus up. Trying to impress him and to impress others. You know, it certainly didn't seem like Simon really respected Jesus or honored him as someone who would honor a special guest in his house. Not to say 
maybe an important teacher or prophet. And this woman, on the other hand, even though she seemed to be doing all the wrong things, crying at the wrong time, disrupting a meal, making a mess with her tears on Jesus' feet, trying to clean up and coming across as trying to seduce Jesus, she ended up anointing his feet rather than the proper way of anointing someone on their head. I mean, she totally messed up her desire to honor and show her love for Jesus, right? Praise God that our Lord Jesus omniscient and all-knowing. He sees the heart. He sees her heart. Jesus reinterprets and redeems all her actions, right? She gave water with her tears to wash Jesus' feet. Not only that, she washed them for him and dried them with her hair. She greeted Jesus promptly with a kiss. And not only that, she was also humble enough to kiss his feet. Lastly, she anointed Jesus with ointment to show him honor. In her heart, she believed Jesus as who Jesus claimed he is. That Jesus is God. She believed Jesus teaching that repentance and faith lead to salvation. She follows Jesus as Lord and is expressing her love to him. Who is this Jesus? Let me ask especially those here that have not fully believed in Jesus as the only way to salvation and to full life. Who is this Jesus? Jesus has the authority to forgive and to judge. He died on the cross for my sin and for your sins. He has purchased a right to forgive those that will repent and follow. He has also been given the right to judge and condemn those that will not acknowledge and humble themselves before him to eternal misery. Who is this Jesus? You must make a decision. He came the first time preaching salvation to set the captives free from sin and death. He died on the cross and rose from the grave, defeating death. This is the period of history we're in now, between his first coming and his second coming. When Jesus comes again in his second coming, he will be coming with wrath to judge all those that have not taken refuge by believing in him. We read earlier, Psalm 2. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Will you? Will you kiss Jesus to show your love for him because he has purchased forgiveness for you with his blood? Actually, your love toward Jesus is simply an indication of the state of your heart. Placing your faith in Jesus is what will enable you to love Him. Now look at verse 47. Jesus is stating a fact and not 
not showing people how to be forgiven. Look there with me. He said, therefore I tell you, our sins, which are many, are forgiven. Jesus is telling Simon that before this woman came to Simon's house and demonstrated her love for Jesus with action, her many sins were already forgiven. So this is why she loves Look there again. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, but she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Continuing with verse 48. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sin? And he said, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus declares to this woman what she already knew. She knew by believing in Jesus, her sins are forgiven. That's why she's responding to Jesus in this way. Seeking out to honor him and to anoint him with ointment. Jesus declares this fact like a priest declaring a leprous person clean for the benefit of the community. Jesus declares your sins are forgiven so others in the community of God's people will know her new status, not as a sinful woman, but as a forgiven woman. To pronounce acceptance into the fellowship with God's people. Jesus didn't need to reassure this woman of her forgiveness, but he assures her of her salvation through faith. He said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Her forgiveness is a result of her faith in Jesus. Jesus again makes it very clear that it's not her love or the expression of her love that saved her or is the cause of her forgiveness. Let me say that again. It's not her love or the expression of her love that saves her or is the cause of her forgiveness. It is her faith. She was saved by faith. She was forgiven by faith. And Jesus tells her to go in peace. She doesn't have to be embarrassed that maybe she botched her desire to honor Jesus. She has his full acceptance to go in peace. Our passage ends here. You are all still in that room, I hope. What is going through your mind? We know those at the table began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Will they recognize Jesus as the one that God has given the authority to give life and to forgive sins? Will they believe by faith to be saved? Will they accept this woman into their fellowship? Our pastor doesn't tell us. How will Simon the Pharisee respond? Will he humble himself and learn from Jesus? Or will he continue in his self-righteous belief? Our pastor also doesn't tell us. What about you?
Do you identify with Simon? I think many times we are like Simon. We think our mind, Jesus, prove yourself. I think I do this sometimes. I think, Jesus, we really got, how can this happen? In some way I'm saying, Jesus, this is not what I'm expecting from you. Can you conform to my expectation? But instead, I'm probably the one that needs to be humble. Do you identify with this woman? Do people not realize your new status as forgiven? Do you need to hear Jesus say to you, go in peace because you have his full acceptance? How will you respond to Jesus today? Will you seek to honor him? You know, what are some ways that we can do that? This woman, you know, she decided she is going to seek Jesus out. You know, she had to make that choice. She thought about how she will show her Lord love for Jesus. She had to contemplate that. She used her resources to prepare this alabaster flask of ointment. And when she is with Jesus, she just went with it, even though things might not have gone how she maybe has imagined. She let her emotion go, she humbled herself, and she worshipped. I think we can maybe learn something from what she did. I think there are maybe four things that we can learn. Number one, she made a decision to seek Jesus out. She made a decision to seek Jesus out. She committed, and she was committed. And number two, she decided on a way to express it, to express her love. She decided, she decided on a way to express her love. She expressed, you know, she tried to express her love. And number three, she used her resources to be prepared. And she prepared for the way that she wanted to express her love. And number four, she went with the flow and worship Jesus. You know, at the end, her desire is just to worship. She worshiped Jesus. So number one, I think, for us, to commit. And that's important, to commit. To make a decision to seek Jesus out. I think most of us know the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Well, this is the first step. I believe also a continual step. You know, it is a decision for us to seek Jesus each day and be where he is at. You know, so commit yourself each day of this week. It's something you can do. Before you get out of bed each morning, say this to yourself. Jesus, I commit myself to you today. Something very simple. Jesus, I commit myself to you today. It is simple, but I think it helps to declare our intention to our spirit and to our flesh. And sometimes we just need to hear this for ourselves. Jesus, I commit myself to you today.
So the first way to commit. The second, to express. Decide on the way to express your love for Jesus. You know, the woman decided the way she's going to express her love for Jesus is by anointing him, honoring him. You know, how do you want to honor Jesus? You know, I think God allowed us to decide. There's so many different ways. There are many ways that we can use to express our love to Jesus. Let me suggest maybe two. And the two are discipleship and mission. Discipleship and mission. So first, discipleship. Discipleship is simply helping another person to grow in Christ. In other words, helping someone to become more mature, to become a more mature disciple of Jesus. Every Christian should be discipling someone else. If you don't think you are capable of discipling someone, ask someone to disciple you first so you can disciple someone else. We also have many older children here that need to be discipled as well. And so what do these disciple relationships look like? Now it is instructing one another with God's word. It is being devoted to one another. It is honoring and accepting one another. It is being compassionate and quick to forgive. It is to encourage one another. The church is Christ's body, so to help the parts of the body to grow is a great way to honor Jesus. And so this is a way, you know, in discipleship, to seek discipleship you know, with one other person. It's a great way to honor Jesus. The second way is mission. You know, Jesus' mission to the church is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded us. I think we can honor Jesus by actively seeking to participate in His global mission. It's more than just our local body here, more than just our city, but it's different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And we can actively be seeking to participate in his mission. And one book I, I want to recommend, and, and we do have it you know, back there in our book table, is Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. Let the Nations Be Glad. You know, if you don't know where to start, to consider God's mission, God's global mission, you know, start by reading this book. Let the Nation Be Glad by John Piper. You know, and if your passion, I know for some of us, maybe has gone cold, I want you to rekindle that passion. Find another person with similar passion and pray regularly for a certain region or people that God has placed on your heart. <clears throat> Loving those that do not yet know Jesus is not a great way to honor 
So thirdly, there are ways to be prepared. You use your resource to be prepared. As you decide on a way to express your love for Jesus, the preparation is actually in the daily obedience of using the resources that God has given you. So how do you prepare to better express your love? You know, this woman bought an alabaster glass of ointment with the money she had. What resources do you have? It doesn't have to be money. It could be time, or talent, or situation or relationship that God has given you at this moment. Is maybe your workplace a training ground to prepare you with discipline and perseverance? Is your children preparing you to have greater love and patience? Could you use your time to study and, and maybe get a degree so you can serve others with it? And if participating in a mission is a way that you want to express your love for Jesus, how do we prepare? You know, how will we reach, for example, the, the Muslim and the Muslim nations with the gospel? We need to invest our time to pray. We need to invest in learning about the Muslim culture. We need to support missionaries that's already doing the work with these people in these places. Let's start with what we have, but we should prepare. And lastly, worship. Go with the flow and worship Jesus. Well, I believe Jesus wants us to commit to Him. He wants us to express our love. He wants us to be prepared to honor Him. But the truth of the matter is, we are sinful and imperfect people. We will mess up. Our commitment will waver. Our expression of love will be misguided. Our preparation will be inadequate. Yet, just go with it and worship Jesus. Worship Him with all of our imperfection. This might be blasphemous, but I think Jesus might be able to speak to us through part of John Legend's song. Because all of me loves all of you. Love your curves and all your edges, all your perfect imperfections. Give you all to me. I'll give my all to you. That could be Jesus talking to us. Okay, that's a joke maybe, but, but Jesus can work all things for the good of those who love him. He can redeem, he can reinterpret like what he did for this woman's awkward worship. Ephesians 2, 8 and I says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. So worship God, worship freely when our plans go sideways. God is so gracious when our heart is pure but our flesh fails. The Holy Spirit will work to comfort us and to guide us. And of course, for the believers, we always have that hope of that one day when we see Jesus face to face, all will be made perfect, all will be made right.
but we should conclude. Today, through scripture and through our imagination, we're in a room with Jesus. We experience powerfully his interaction with Simon the Pharisee and this woman who was a sinner. We also challenge to confront our own response to this question. Who is this Jesus? I'm sure there could be many answers to that question. But my prayer is that we will all be able to answer, Jesus is my Savior who I love much. Jesus is my Savior who I love much. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for Jesus, our Savior. In him, our debt is canceled, our sins forgiven. That though our sins are many, but your mercy is more. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Father. Help us realize the magnitude of our forgiveness so that we will love much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.